It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. California Wine Country with Dan Berger brought to you by Bottle Barn. Our guest today is Catherine Blagden from Blagden Wines. I love this. It says on your website, I'm a winemaker who has the luxury to be able to hold back all my wines until they are ready. Thus, I tend to release most vintages later than other competitors. I prefer to release my wines with some bottle age so the flavors and aromas can marry and mature a bit more. Well, that sounds like Dan Berger. (laughs) What do you know? What a coincidence. Yeah. Well, Dan brought in a wine that he's laid down for a while. Do we want to talk about that one? I'm not entirely sure. (laughs) This is an 05 Syrah? Yeah, nickel and nickel in the Napa Valley. Very high quality producer. And for some reason, in uh, 2005, they decided to get some fruit from the Russian River Valley, of all places, and truck it over to Napa and make the wine. And this is called Darien Vineyard 2005 Syrah. Of all things, it is really rustic, and it's got some nice bottle age on it, and it's got it's really uh, sort of inky, uh, very dark in color, and the tannins are still unresolved, but the fruit is pretty good. I would uh, definitely serve this with a uh, a very very char grilled steak. <laughs> I believe you suggested live game earlier. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a joke, Harry. <laughs> well, I'm, I, I took a taste and I'm pouring it in my dump bucket. So. <laughs> well, it might disintegrate the bucket. <laughs> We're never going to get this wine glass clean. <laughs> that stuff's not going anywhere. Good Lord. Well, no thanks, Dan. <laughs> 2005. Hey, I like it. What can I tell you? Yeah. I like it. Uh, Real rustic. I love the rustic adjective that you use to describe <laughs> yeah. it. How noncommittal a term is that, Dan? <laughs> Catherine Blagden is with us. Pleasure to meet you. Talk about how you came into the wine world and became a winemaker. Well, I grew up on the East Coast and have... Um, Whereabouts? Outside of Boston. And I come Beautiful. from a foodie family. So we grew up eating, and I remember being sort of 16 and doing... Blind tastings, which is kind of a weird thing for a 16-year-old kid to be doing with my parents. Um, And soon I became the one who got to pick the wines on the wine list when I was of drinking age. Um, And they would always give it to my stepfather, the wine list, and he would pass it to me. And they would look at me like, who's this pipsqueak? And I remember one time being out with my parents who never wanted to rock the boat. And there was a wine that I know was slightly corked. And so I called the psalm over and... The psalm didn't come over at first. It was the server, and the server's looking at me. My parents are giving me, like, just an evil eye, like, how dare you rock the boat? And the server got the psalm. The psalm came over, looked at me, tasted it, and he's like, oh, you're right. This, this wine's bad. And so I, I was forever in good graces with my parents, and I got to keep choosing the wine. Cool story. Yeah. But I, I wanted to be a doctor, actually, and, and sort of thought that I would move to California, become a doctor, and then had this vision of planting grapes in, in wine country. So I moved out to California, got a master's in health psychology, was pursuing health and wellness, and couldn't decide what I wanted to really do. And was hanging out in San Francisco with foodie friends who said, you should go check out the Davis program. And so I went and checked out the Davis program and fell in love with it. Um, I applied. I got in. And before I went, I did a a harvest in um, South Africa in Cape Town. Really? Which was great. Yeah, it was friends of friends. friends. It was Flagstone, the vineyard 
were all over Somerset West, and the winery was in the waterfront in Cape Town, so I was right in the city, and it was amazing. And I fell in love with wine. I fell in love with winemaking. It was a group effort. Everyone sort of just got behind it, and I loved it. So then I went to Davis, 2001 to 2003, got a master's, and then I started working with Greg LaFollette, which is when I met Dan the first time back in 2003. Mm -hmm. And Greg was my mentor and helped me connect the dots between theory and practice. I worked with him for several years on several small Pinot and Chard labels, and that was how I met the San Giacomos, which is basically the through line for my brand that I started in 2006 after doing one year at um, Gallo Sonoma. Um, so Blackton Wines, that began when? 2006. 06. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I've been around. It was interesting. My my sort of holding wine back, I, I had interesting strategy. Holding wine back, and I wanted to be a little bit under the radar. I sort of wanted to be the, the, the thing that people would find and not necessarily know about. It doesn't always work to sort of amp up your sales. So <laughs> um, so now I'm sort of trying to get out there a little more, and uh, thus, here I am. Well, before we got on the air, uh, Dan mentioned, and we briefly talked about, the fact that this summer you moved to Santa Barbara. Yes, I did. Is Blagden Wines still going to be a thing? Are they still? Is it open? What I mean, how? What's going on with it? That's a good question. Um, I'm not sure I have all the answers yet. I may. I have a second label, and I may actually. Blagden Wines has 2018 and 2019 from up here, from Sonoma and Napa, to re- be released. And I'm going to be looking, and I've started looking in Santa Barbara to vineyards and wineries and winemakers and custom crushes to see about doing something, a new chapter. Interesting. Yeah, it's fun. It's a, an exciting time, and I think I'll be able to make some of the stuff that I've made before or not, which is nice. Dan. Well, one, one secret to this uh, brand is the fact that Catherine and I are on the same wavelength when it comes to acidity. These wines are good uh, acid uh, wines from good grapes that have from cool uh, uh, climates. With the uh, emphasis on acidity, you need time in the bottle. These wines just can't be drunk right away. And so this was a great strategy. Not only do you want wines that will develop in the bottle but also there's a reason for that and that's the the fact that you've selected grapes that are coming from cooler climates where high acidity is your feature yeah very much so and i've i've shown with the the past vintages i've just opened the 2006s and they're still showing really well which is surprising i didn't think that they would have the longevity especially that year because it was kind of a funny year Um, But the San Giacomo Vineyard has incredible longevity, which has been lucky for me with my strategy. Well, the Chardonnay is uh, a little unique to me, and I love it, being the Chardonnay guy. Uh, Tell us about this. Is this a 19? This is 2017. 17. Yep, 2017. This is a Robert Young clone. This is um, from the Roberts Road Vineyard. Um, It is uh, native fermentation. 100% 100% mallow, 100% French oak, about 25% new, um, inoculated for uh, malolactic, and went all the way. Dan, tell me why I like this wine. This is a cool climate wine with good acidity, but the way it was made was to ex- expand the mid palate a little bit to give it more richness through the use of the malolactic and some age 
in uh, uh, in some used barrels as well as some new. But the interesting thing was the, a little bit of lees contact gives it a mid palate structure that's richer without it being oaky. So it's really not an oaky wine as much no, as it is not a, at all. a wine of delicacy, but with richness in the mid palate. It's just really delicious. I, in 2016, I started over-vintaging my Pinot and Chard, so leaving it in barrel for 16 months. And I think that provides a, also a complexity and a, 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 an elegance yet power that works. And I've really liked it in the Pinot and the Chard. Uh, Harry, since he started with us, has been learning to like white wines. I have, and this is a very pleasant wine. Um, not overpowering. And, and very delicate. Uh, and I can see this being paired really well with seafood. Especially seafood with butter. Because if you used cream instead... You mean there is such a thing as seafood without butter? <laughs> <laughs> For some people, I guess. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, cream itself becomes a kind of a, a, a binder. And in a certain way, you don't want that with a wine this delicate. This is a really... It's got a combination of richness and delicacy that you don't see very often in Chardonnay. I agree. That's why I mentioned the, the word unique. Uh, and it's why I mentioned the word delicate. <laughs> yes, it is. De- it's very delicate. Well, it's got a lot of things going for it that you don't typically see in, a, in, in Chardonnay. A lot of Chardonnays that like to advertise that they're going to be aged in stainless steel only will not have this texture this texture comes about as a result of a conscious effort by the winemaker to build that into the wine. Oysters. Mm-hmm. In a certain way, yes. With a lot of butter. Yeah, a lot go. of butter. But I think Lobster. also... Lobster. But, but see, this is we're serving this at, uh, <laughs> at studio temperature. <laughs> this is not refrigerated. So that's 28 degrees? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. We don't need to chill our uh, white wines here on this show. You yeah. just, just bring them in the studio and they'll, they'll get cold. <laughs> By the way, I meant to mention this yesterday, actually, when I found out, but... We were so excited to have the return of Lewis Black, one of my favorite comedians. He was going to be on on the show. Uh, (laughs) He was scheduled to do a gig at uh, LBC. He's canceled all his gigs. What's going on? I don't know. Uh, He's indicated he's dealing with some health issues that are not COVID-related. So he thinks he just came back on tour too soon. And he's tried to do too much too soon, and one of the shows that got well, canceled he'll, he'll, was tomorrow. he'll build an entire uh, act out of his, his, of his he will. medical situation. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, in, in case you didn't know, the Lewis Black show at the LBC has been canceled. And, uh, and, and Mike DeWald had assured me he could get tickets for that show, and so yeah. I still think he's getting me tickets for the show. <laughs> You'll be well. alone out there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mike and I can get you tickets to anything, as you, as you uh, know. Uh, Catherine Blagden is here, Blagden Wines. Uh, it is California wine country with Dan Berger, brought to you by Bottle Barn. Uh, I can't say enough about this shard. It's, to me, very unique. And uh, the, Well, the let, fin- me make, the let me make one amazing. point, and, and this is really an important point, that we've, we've done this on three different occasions prior to this show. On three different occasions, we've had people from the Petaluma Gap. And the reason for that is that it's a cool region. This is from the Petaluma Gap. So this is our fourth show in the last, like, seven months 
where we've talked about this region. It's not a coincidence. This is a great appellation, and these, this wine is a reflection of that. It's the great San Giacomo family. We've been farming fruit in California for a long, long time. And they're doing a fabulous job on this Roberts Road property. And Roberts Road is a name that will be uh, emblazoned in, in history uh, some years from now. But right now, it's sort of uh, under the radar. Now, the Blagden Winery itself is in Healdsburg, correct? So I used to make it at a custom crash in Healdsburg, but I'm now in transition. Okay. So there is no Blagden Winery. There's just Blagden Wine. Ah. <laughs> and available uh, retail at all? Um, currently... A little bit down in Los Angeles. Um, not, and not at Bottle Barn. And actually, it is at Bottle Barn. It just course. got in there a couple weeks ago, in fact. Oh, okay. Just in time for the show, which was not on purpose. <laughs> Coincidence? Yes. I think not. It's just on <laughs> Well, I love this shard. A 17. Yeah, delicious wine. 17. Uh, talk quickly about the, the, the wines of 17. <clears throat> well, it was a pretty good vintage, uh, all things equal. Uh, we, we did... Uh, have uh, prior we, to the well, we had some yeah. fire, fires, of course, yeah. but uh, I think most of the Chardonnay had come in before any problems with the with the fires. This has no, no, no smoke whatsoever. Um, the nice part about this wine is the actual the actual two years of additional. You, you identify, Steve. You said, "Is this a 19?" Well, most people would say it's a 19, but this one is richer as a result of not only the winemaker choice, but also the way the wine sat around for an extra year or two in the bottle and developed this beautiful complexity. Mm. Uh, Catherine, what else do you have for us today? I've got some Pinot Noir from the same vineyard, the same family. Um, this is a Pinot. Oh, Now, Steve, when you get this in your glass, well, you'll get it right now, you'll notice that the color of this wine is lighter than most Pinot Noirs that you're going to drink, and two, two reasons for that. Number one is the style of the winemaker, and number two, the fact that it's an older vintage. It's an, a 17 again. So this is three clones from that same Roberts mm. Road vineyard, um, 115, 777, and Swan. I've been making wine from there since '02, um, and used to ferment and age all the clones separately. So became very familiar with, with the clones. Started out with just 115 back in 2006, 7, 8. Then in 2010 was given four clones and added the pomard to it. And the pomard went kind of stinky, so I got scared. So Okay, I'm going to issue a geek alert here. <laughs> Dan, uh, trans- translate. Well, <laughs> both, both 115 and pomard are two clones of Pinot Noir that were actually uh, uh, rescued, if you want to call it that, from France. So they're French uh, clones. They were not uh, necessarily tinkered with in the United States very much. The fact is that those clones are intended for cool climates, but not necessarily ice-cold climates. Now, there's one other clone of Pinot Noir, and these clones are are very, very uh, fragile. They will change in the vineyard. They'll adapt to their surroundings. And the 777 that you've got, that or that they, they've got in the ground there, is very, very much a cold climate clone. It needs to have lots of cold weather. And, and what Catherine has done here is to alter what she's picked and the times of her picking so that she can capture the best flavors that each clone delivers. Well, this, this is delicious. It stuff. really is. I mean, 
This is uh, uh, one of the smoothest pinots I've had in quite a while. Well, it's got that that wonderful spice note that usually comes out of a vineyard, and it, it just definitely is part of a vineyard's personality, the signature. And when you smell other San, uh, San Giacomo uh, Pinot Noirs from the Roberts Road Vineyard, you find the same stamp of, of identity, and that is really part of the vineyard's signature. Now, here... The wine is no. an extra Man, 10 years. that's good. Well, but it's two years older. That's why it's so much inter- more interesting. Plus, the color is light, which means that it's not made like a dark, heavy red wine. It's made like a light wine, which Pinot Noir is supposed to be. Harry, I bet yeah. you like it. Well, the lightness that you just mentioned, yeah. it, it's definitely uh, got that touch to it. And, and I do like it. I absolutely do like Talk it. Talk about the word elegant. <laughs> Gracious. That's a, I believe delicate was the word. Delicate is good. Yes. Get my like words. Don't put words in my mouth. I like okay. Don't forget every episode of California Wine Country is available via podcast. Where might they find that podcast? CalWineCountry.com. That is correct, sir. Every episode we've ever done. I think Catherine Blagden is here as our special guest. Blagdenwines.com is the website, and you can certainly find your wines there and order them. Yes, sir. And there's some at Bottle Barn and in L.A., too. Yeah, I actually, all my wine just got, the last of it just got bottled in uh, August. So I don't have anything in the winery. So I did not come up to work in the winery, but I came up for a couple of other meetings. And I'm still trying to figure out what you're going to do yeah. for sure in with Santa Barbara? the move to Santa Barbara. Yeah, yeah. And Dan's going to help me with some contacts, I think. Of course he will. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, and you gave us some of your earlier history uh, in the previous segment, you know, your family background, your, your schooling. But I'm curious about the moment when you made the decision, I want to make wine. I want to own a winery. Can you trace that back and, and tell us about that moment? Um, so certainly when I was in Cape Town working at Flagstone, I knew I wanted to be part. It, it felt like such a team effort, and everyone, you know, there's so much adrenaline, and you're not getting a lot of sleep, and there's a little bit of drinking, and it's just a, a fun experience. A little bit? Just a little bit. Um, tasting. Yeah, tasting yeah. And, and spitting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I think that was when I knew I wanted to be part of that. Um I got a scholarship after Davis to go to Domaine du Jacques and was oh my there. goodness, oh my, my favorite Burgundy producer, Domaine du Jacques. Yeah, I mean yeah. it was. Sadly, it was 2003, so it was a really quick harvest. It was neat because I was there, and then I came back and I did the Sonoma harvest, <clears throat> so I did it back to back, which was a, a really amazing experience. And then I got to go back and do barrel. Ta- I tasted uh, barrel tasting it. Well, 03 was a really really difficult vintage in Burgundy. It was very hot, and wines were not typical. But what an incredible opportunity to work with uh, Jacques Says, the winemaker at uh, Domaine du Jacques. It's a Why is that your favorite? Because the wines are always exemplary, regardless of how bad the vintage could be. Jacques can make wine in a bad vintage like no one else in this world. Wow. No one. Yeah. And I've t- my, my go-to wine is a Jacques Says wine. In a bad year, because I can afford it, mm-hmm. and I can love it. Yeah. <laughs> Jack yeah. Seis? Yeah, S-E-Y-S-S-E-S. S-S-E-S. Yes. Yeah. He's a 
He's a genius. Yeah, really <laughs> nice family. It was amazing. They have an amazing cellar. I think they have the the largest Bordeaux collection of anyone in Burgundy. And at lunch and at dinner, we could take turns and go downstairs and pull bottles from oh. their cellar. It was they were incredibly <laughs> generous. It was a little bit of a whirlwind. I wish I could go back and retrace the steps because it was my first real experience for full harvest because when I was in Cape Town it was only about four to six weeks um, it was amazing though and I think that was the moment where I thought this is for me and to be able to do my own small thing having had experience after that working at several different custom crushes um, and doing some consulting stuff which is great because you don't have to sell it but you still are making it for someone else and it, it's nice to be able to do your own thing. Um, it's really a luxury, actually. And so now, Santa Barbara. So what was going? What was the thought process about? What is it about Santa Barbara that has attracted you? To well, that we area? all love Santa Barbara, so I can understand to a point. But as far as being a, a top-notch winemaker, I mean, was it strictly you just? Love Santa Barbara. Yeah, it and was more more lifestyle yeah, okay. um, than anything else. Okay. But it is it does feel a little bit like Sonoma felt twenty twenty five years ago. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, they're still work together. They're very you know collaborative. Um, people are so nice. It's crazy how nice people are, and it feels like a completely different area for me. I feel like I know Sonoma very well and Napa a little bit. So it's a time to kind of mix it up, and I think it's a it's a new, interesting, exciting place and and time to be doing that. Change is good. Yeah, yeah. I think change is good. Change is great. Which is why I'm retiring, and Harry now takes over <laughs> no, the drive. No, 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 no. no? Okay. No. By the way, I just uh, was told by Christopher DiMatteo, our L.A. producer, that uh, every podcast, I mean every uh, episode of this show, is available since 2017. So that's pretty good. Four years worth. Four years. That's when we hired him to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of makes sense. Then, yeah. <laughs> Uh, go ahead. So, um, back to Santa Barbara, and I just completely blanked on the question that I was going to ask you about. Well, that. I can I can answer that question. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. <laughs> We're such a good team. Uh, Santa Barbara is a fabulous area for growing grapes, and the only problem that you have is everybody wants to live there, so the risk is too much housing and not enough grapes. But some of the properties that have been growing there for several decades including Sierra Madre Vineyard and Bianacito Vineyard and many others, including wines that are coming out of Santa Inez Valley and uh, Santa Rita Hills. There are some fabulous vineyards there, and it's just a matter of uh, Catherine becoming comfortable with that. She'll eventually find a place where the the grapes are growing in a cool enough region for her. Are you going to, if this all comes to fruition and Dan can help and you find... Uh, the right vineyards and, and the right grapes? Is it going to be Blagden Wines, Santa Good Barbara? Question. Good question. I have a second label, which I've done one bottling, which is a 2015 Pinot called Ayana. I, 
I did not really want to have Blagden as my label because it's a little bit of an ego play. But when it came time to bottle, I had no name because the three names that I had chosen were already taken in the wine business. So I just went with Blagden because it's not a very common name, and I knew I could bottle it. Um, and it wasn't taken. And it wasn't taken. Yeah. Miracle. But there is a guy named Charles Blagden in France, but it was okay because he's in France. and he's That's Blagden. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> So I don't know. I think it could be Ayana. I think I might move away. And I actually have a third label called Gattino, which is kitten in Italian, which if I do something sort of playful and fun, I could see doing you know, some fun whites in can with Gattino. So there's some questions there. Interesting. Now, well, did, did you bring a third wine with I you did. today? I did. Shall we get to that? Oh, yes. A little thirsty today. What, what <laughs> <laughs> so the third one is a Cabernet from Napa. And this is my first year, 2017, again, um, where I was, uh, where I made a Napa Cab. I had before made Cabernet from Monte Rosso. After my experience at Gallo, as I was leaving, I was asked by Doug, who was in charge of all the vineyards, if I wanted to buy any Gallo fruit. And he said, you know, would you like anything? to start your label and I said well how about some Monte Rosso cab and he said okay here go to these four different plots and pick your rows so I started making which was amazing I started making really really great Monte Rosso cab and made that for three years and then stopped making cab focused on Pinot and Chard had a baby kind of pulled back a little bit and then in 2017 because it's such a different way of making wine I decided to make Napa cab and this is also a San Giacomo, and the Nords have this Valley Floor Vineyard on Skellinger Lane in Oakville. So um, I had the Nords once. I had to go to the doctor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Come so on. 49 years in radio as of yesterday. Huh? And I was you've used that joke for 49 years. <laughs> I was surprised that they weren't burned out. Hot monk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Nords playing this weekend. Hot yeah, Monk Nevada. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll shut up. Well, the important thing about this Cabernet, Steve, you ought to take one sip of it. It's just pretty amazing wine. This is a wine built not on tannin, but it's built on acidity. So the, the structure is really more about the acidity than it is the tannin, and the tannins are not really aggressive. And what amazes me is that the harvesting it as early as Catherine did, what she ended up with was a beautiful herbal note here. It's gorgeous. It has this. I just took a taste. That yeah. is gorgeous, and I'm not a big cab guy, but no, that, that is really good. That's yeah, beautiful stuff. Thank you, guys. And mm. this is a 20. No, 17. It 17, is another yeah. 2017. Yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of 18s are already on the market, and this is just coming out now, and it's just it's years away from where it will be. Harry, so you're yeah. suggesting we lay it down, Dan? What a shock! I'm enjoying this as well. Um, beautiful color and a warm flavor to it, a warm taste to it. It really fills the mouth nicely. Thank you. Well, what's, what really is an indication of where it's going is the fact that it's already, already four years old and hasn't yet gotten rid of its baby fat. Which means, but there's good acidity. I can in relate to that, and I'm not throwing a, a geek alert because no. I can relate to that. Yeah. So it's not it's not blousy as much as it is still oriented toward food. And at this stage of the game, four years in, 
that indicates that you've got at least four to six more years before it ever even hits any kind of a stride, let alone get to, get to a peak. This is probably a 20-year wine. I mean, the numbers really show that. Acid pH number. We went through this earlier today. <laughs> Talk about <laughs> when Dan. you told her to lay it down for 20 years. Right. Well, she already knew that. <laughs> Dan, talk about tannin versus acidity. Well, tannin is is a, a, a physical uh, uh, astringency that comes from the fact that there's uh, tannins in the grape skins as well as in the seeds. And if you are not careful... You're going to get a lot of those astringent notes in the mid-palate of the wine, and if you have really high alcohol, like 15 or 5 or alcohol or something like that, it covers the tannin when the wine's young, so you think the wine is soft and, and succulent. But two years later, you'll find out it is not succulent. So therefore, you have to ex- be extremely careful, not only as a winemaker, doing your harvest dates correctly, but also capturing the, the proper acidity so that you're then, then you can deal with the tannins, get rid of some of those tannins because the acid has helped balance the wine. If you've got too much tannin and not enough acidity, the wine is out of balance. All right. And there's nothing worse than an unbalanced wine. And, and, or an unbalanced broadcaster. <laughs> well, Why are you looking at Steve? I'm not looking at him. An L unbalanced uh, radio host. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, let's see if you last 49 years, <laughs> Duke. 49 weeks, if I'm lucky. <laughs> Catherine, talk about selecting the grapes that you've selected for these wines. You talked a little bit about this one, but talk about the earlier ones. So it, I, when I was working with Greg, I met the San Giacomos, and I loved them. They're just super down-to-earth. They're great farmers, really nice people. Um, we talked about... Could I buy some grapes from you? It was a handshake. It's never been anything more than just nice. Um, and their vineyard is, is, I knew it at the time, from Greg's making wines from there and went and worked with him in that vineyard on a couple of different labels and fell in love with, with the wines. He had a 2001 when he was um, at Greg & Greg. It was Tandem was his label at the time. He had a 2001 San Giacomo Vineyard um, Pinot that was a little bit funky, a little bit sulfidey. Dan, you can take over. But it reminded me a lot of Burgundy. And I loved it. And there's something to be said about the San Giacomos. There's an earthiness. There's a, a They do call it sometimes the San Giacomo funk. That is a complexity that I think is a little bit old world um, that I loved. So, and because they're such nice people, it was just a slam dunk. I love this Cabernet. It's um, and I, you know, for people who like Cabernet, they're always looking for how many points did it get. Well, this is a, not a points wine. This is a personality wine. To me, personality counts for a lot more than points. And in this case, the personality is just everywhere. It it, it wants to go in this direction. It wants to go in that direction. All you have to do is be patient. Just buy a couple of bottles, put it in the cellar, and don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be it'll be fun to watch it actually. <laughs> who the hell was just snorting on my show? <laughs> Dan's buy a couple bottles and put it away and forget about it. That's what happened to the first wine that you brought, Dan. You forgot about it. It's not always a good thing. Okay, Harry, you got me. I'll take the knife out now. 
So uh, do you have any, uh, uh, Catherine, any kind of time frame? Probably not. Uh, you just moved this summer to Santa Barbara. Yeah. So, I mean, you got a lot of work to do down there yeah. to figure out what your future yeah. holds. Well, let's just say that 2022 is right around the corner. Yeah. And you've got 12 months to decide on this. And believe me, between you and me, we'll figure this out. All right. I love it. I love it. So that's my time frame. <laughs> Whatever Dan says. <laughs> Whatever Dan says. Uh-huh. <laughs> It is California Wine Country with Dan Berger, brought to you, of course, by Bottle Barn, Catherine Blagden, blagdenwines.com. You can still go to that website and purchase some yes. wines Yes, and check out Bottle Barn as and well. And I'd like to make yeah. one quick um, comment. I didn't know about Catherine's uh, project until literally three weeks ago when I got an email from a woman by the name of Laura Ness who's a wine columnist and a very, very astute woman who lives down in Los Gatos area. I'm not positive exactly where, but yeah. anyway, down there. And she said, if you haven't met Catherine, you should. So we did, and that's why she's on the show. And thank you for Laura Ness for the suggestion. Thank you, idea. Laura Ness. <laughs> uh, Catherine Blagden, uh, we shall look forward to news on uh, your new situation in uh, Santa Barbara and what you're doing in the wine world and I mean you're still going to be obviously going to have to be up here yes for uh, sure to take care of biz sure. and such so for sure yeah we shall see you again in thank the you so much for having me on the show this it's is my first radio you. experience it's awesome mine too <laughs> I want to come back <laughs> <laughs> or is it my last radio experience Harry I'm not sure anymore. now again it's California wine country and correct me if I'm wrong but Santa Barbara is in California last I looked okay so she can come back yes okay <laughs> Joe, check on that, will you? <laughs> Get the crack research team on that. <laughs> we can't. They're all on crack. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Yeah, that was pretty quick. Uh, California Wine Country, the podcasts since 2017, all of them are available anytime at calwinecountry.com. And thanks to Christer, Christer? <laughs> Christopher DiMatteo down in L.A. Thanks for all your work, buddy. Catherine Blagden, an honor to meet you, and we shall continue to uh, follow your career and what you're doing down in Santa Barbara, and uh, we'll, we'll see you again. Excellent. Thank you guys so much. Dan, what are we doing next week? Next know? week we have a very strange show. Oh. A stranger than this one? <laughs> <laughs> We're always strange. Are you kidding? Now, we have, we have at least three wineries being represented by three well, it's a long story. I'll tell you about next week when we start. <laughs> Three different wineries are coming in. Yes. Really? But they're not actually coming. It's a long story. I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> so, you really know how to dangle the mystery in front of the audience, don't you, Dan? Uh, so tune in next week to find out what the hell he's talking about. Because we won't know till then either. <laughs> no, we won't. For decades, Bottle Barn in Santa Rosa has been providing Sonoma County with an unmatched selection of the finest wines, beers, and spirits. With everyday low prices and the best product knowledge around, Bottle Barn is the best place to find the most amazing deals in wine country. In fact, Bottle Barn is where wine country buys their wine. Every week on the drive, when I ask winery owners, vintners, and winemakers where listeners can buy their wines, they say Bottle Barn in Santa Rosa. And the prices are always the lowest anywhere, trust me. If you're not shopping at Bottle Barn, you're missing out on the best deals, not only on wine, but every kind of beer and spirits. Check out their craft beer section. Wow. And remember, Bottle Barn can ship wine to most states.
Go to BottleBarn.com for details and all the great specials every week. And listen to California Wine Country every Wednesday at 5 on The Drive to find out what's new and on special at Bottle Barn, 331A Industrial Drive in Santa Rosa.